Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Hello, good morning, and welcome to the Metal Friday edition of the Morning Tailgate here on Raider Nation Radio. Clay Baker here with you with Vinny Bonsignor from VegasNation.com, and we have got a great show lined up for you to wrap up the week that was here on R&R 920 AM. 8 o'clock, we'll talk to the senior writer and producer with Raiders.com. It's Eddie Pascal. He'll join us at 8 o'clock. 9 o'clock, we'll be joined by former Raiders linebacker Ricky Brown. And at 9.30, the MVP, Asia Wilson from the Las Vegas Aces. She will join us at 9.30 here on R&R 920. 69187 is the Sam and Ash text line because you deserve what's right. And you can hit us up on Twitter at R&R 920 AM. And on the phones at 702-365-9200. That is the Realty One Group listener line here on Raider Nation Radio. Oh, Vinny, good morning to you. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Yeah, this has uh, been a uh, interesting week. When you start out with uh, the news from uh, Indomitian Sioux trying to create waves to where we're at now, as you start to look towards what's going to be happening in the next few weeks, as you know, we noted like we're you know a little over forty days, you know, earlier towards the Hall of Fame game. Well, we're like twenty-four days now until training camp is going to begin. As yesterday, the dates were released around the league for uh, training camp, and you know, I was wondering if perhaps because the Raiders have to go in early for camp. Uh, because of the Hall of Fame game and their preseason uh, starts up a week earlier. I wonder if they could use that to their advantage, and I, I have a feeling that they want to, you know, it, it, get any advantage they can onto the season. But this is uh, that moment where you're like, all right, the summer has completely faded away when you break it down to 24 days away from camp. Yeah, and uh, we had Rich Ornberger, the former NFL player, on yesterday, uh, and he was talking about the nerves that players are starting to feel right about now uh, as you get closer and closer uh, to training camp, kind of like the end of summer, uh, the new school year for some of those rookies that are going from middle school to high school. Yes. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, some of those uh, other players are going from their junior year to their senior year. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, there's there's nerves, there's anxiety, there's excitement, and I think that there's... Uh, especially with this crew of Raiders. I mean, this is as veteran a team uh, that I can remember covering since joining this beat uh, in 2019. Um, you've got veterans all over the field uh, and proven players uh, all over the field. And with that comes expectations. You also have a new coaching staff, uh, both you know at the head coach position, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator. So there's some uncertainty there. There's some learning that needs to happen. We were just talking the other day about you know Derek Carr's going into, what, his ninth year now? Um, I, I've lost track of how many offenses he's had to learn uh, over those uh, over that course of that career but the fact of the matter is um, after mastering John Gruden's offense the last few years now he's got to turn the page and 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 learn Josh McDaniel's offense so so even for the quarterback even though this is a veteran team there's a lot of learning going on right now yeah I think they want to make sure that 
certain things get sewed up uh, in this off season where you're you having uh, the you know the players are away. Everyone wants to you know not only you know be in touch with their friends and family right now, get as close to home as possible because they know once this train g- boards, you, you're on it for months and months and months, and you know it makes you feel like you know even as uh, as Rich was talking about yesterday, this is the time when guys mostly get married. You know this, <laughs> this is this is the time where like you know you better get it now because uh, there there'll be no time during the season, and even even after the Super Bowl, it's still hit or miss because there's things that you need to do and uh, no. This is like your only window of time for uh, for rest and relaxation. Yeah, uh, and you want to get that in as well. You want to get mentally right um, because it is a grind, a mental and physical grind once the season does start. So you want to unplug a little bit in that way. But at the same point, um, you know, the you can't unplug completely because you still have to be in shape when you get to uh, training camp. So there's that grind, um, that daily physical grind that's still going on right now, and it has to be. This is we're long past the days. I remember when I was a kid uh, growing up in in Ventura, California. We used to go up to Thousand Oaks or down to Thousand Oaks uh, every summer because that's where the Dallas Cowboys practiced. That's where they had their training camp for years and years and years. So I'm like out there watching Roger Staubach and Tony Dorsett and on and on and on, all those great players. But what I do remember was you'd go to Thousand Oaks early in the morning and you might as well just pack a lunch and maybe even a dinner because there were three practices. Hmm. They didn't just have two practices. There were three practices uh, on some days for sure to each day. And every single day that we were out there, guess what? They're out in their pads getting after it. Um, so it was, and it, 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 the difference is, is that back then, and training camp was longer because I want to say there were six preseason games, not just, you know, the the three that they have now or the four that they had a couple of years ago. Raiders will play four because they're in the Hall of Fame game. But back in those days, uh, you had six preseason games. Why was that? Because the money wasn't like it is now. No, it was far, far different from what we see these days. Right. So you had guys that probably had off-season jobs, you know, to, to make ends meet um, during that time of the year. So as a result, a lot of guys used training camp to get back into shape. Well, those days are over. You better be in shape right now, baby, because it's it, like you said, that train leaves that station, and um, if you're not on it, you're going to have to spend the rest of the time trying to catch up to it, and that's really, really hard to do. So this time, while you want to uh, you know, unwind and relax and do family time, you can't lose that physical edge as well as, in terms of staying in shape. What, uh, what position group do you feel that maybe the Raiders – We'll start to look at to reprioritize as like as a, a meaning of focus when uh, everything starts to shape up. Uh, Jul- the week of July 18th, rookies will report first, and then you have uh, the vets come in on that Wednesday. What do you think will start to be areas of focus that they may have looked at beforehand? You know, during the mini camp, say, "All right, uh, this is getting good. We see a lot of progress over here, but this one still needs a little more work." What do you think those areas might be? Yeah, and and um, it, it it won't start. It's been happening. Um, and it's just an ongoing process day after day. But, you know, I've written this and talked about this. The, the longer we go without any more moves being made, the more you you believe that the Raiders were fairly content with what they saw sure. in yeah. minicamp and OTAs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, at least in terms of let's give these guys a shot right now. That doesn't mean that moves aren't going to happen in training camp because it's bound to happen. I mean, you got injuries, you have other players from other teams that, you know, uh, might be hitting the market. Um, So 
it just feels like right now the Raiders are fairly set with where they are, um, and 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 uh, and of the mindset of let's let's get these guys a shot to to our fifty our best fifty three might be right here in this building right now. Yeah, I think even um, even when they take a look at like the defensive line, for example. They made uh, early acquisitions in the free agent market right away, like to go and Billings, yeah, yeah Billings, Bilal Nichols, uh, you know, Vernon Butler kind of came in quickly, and then they were going to use the draft to kind of bolster that uh, that area. So you could see that you know they could be happy with what they have already and what they got because they knew what they wanted early on, right? And I think I think we all need to understand that um, there's a reason they signed these guys, <laughs> you know, like you said, early on. Uh, and and other guys they haven't right that that are still out there uh, available they mm-hmm. they sign these guys for a reason because they believe in them and and you know there's a name to remember Champ Kelly um, who is uh, is basically the head of the uh, pro p- uh, personnel department for the Raiders uh, he came over from the Chicago Bears there's a history with him and Dave Ziegler and also uh, Josh McDaniels uh, over the years and Champ Kelly is a very important part of this process so when you see guys like Andrew Billings and uh, Nicole you know uh, uh, Nick or uh, Bacall, Bilal. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's early in the morning. Um, these are guys that he's he knows, right? And yeah. that's his job. His job is to be on top of um, you know the the, the pro personal side of, of things. Who's available? Who's out there that can help this roster? Um, and so so we can't lose sight of the fact that they did the heavy work in March. Then obviously uh, in the draft to bring people into the building that that they felt could help this team and be a, a, a good fits for this team. So uh, there's, you don't do that and then change it up, you know, right before training camp. They've had these guys in the building now since what, April? Yes. You know, when you talk about yeah. the entire offseason program, they've been watching them, assessing them, filming them in practice, getting them on the field, getting them into the, in, in the classroom. There's been a lot of interaction uh, and, and assessment uh, over these last few months. So they have a pretty good handle on where they are right now. I like that um, right away, you know, you brought up Champ Kelly's name and, you know, even Dave Ziegler has been very, very complimentary of like how exciting it is to be in, you know, you're you're in a room now with a lot of expertise, a lot of great uh, minds are going on, especially, you know, having somebody like Champ Kelly, who's a guy that, you know, not only interviewed for the Raiders uh, general manager opening, but for others. And he's somebody that eventually will be a general manager of an NFL team. Real and, soon. Yeah. And, and Dave uh, very uh, spoke uh, real brightly about him saying like, you know, you know, Champ's been exceptional to this point, taking on a lot of different hats. He's worked on the college side and has been a leader, but extremely valuable, and I rely on him. And so I think not only do they can see the players in the same light, but it takes a lot of pressure off of Dave to have to try to do everything because he's surrounded by very, very smart people in this organization. They did such a great job. Dwayne Joseph, too. A lot of people that they brought in, uh, it, it looks as though that they're able to go and at least understand what the kind of uh, mold of player they want. Uh, and how they also will, if if no one's all going to be on the same page on it, but they can give you different angles of why this guy should be here. And they are uh, working together in this great, great trio of, of minds and, and, and mindsets. The philosophy is, let's get the best guys. But I'll tell you what, 
they've found guys that really fit this system. They probably wouldn't have fit other systems the best way. So having Champ Kelly's like expertise is really good because they're able to lean on each other, and it's not one guy having to do all the work and all the evaluations by himself. Well, and you can't. You know, there's only certain a certain amount of hours in the day, uh, especially now that you know uh, uh, Ziggler's gone from you know being somebody that makes suggestions to now making decisions, um, and so now he re- he needs to rely on. Uh, the 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 people that did what he did uh, in years past uh, in, in 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 New England. So um, and and that's why you surround yourself with people that you know that you have relationships with or give an honest opportunity for some of the holdovers. I know that they've been really impressed uh, with some of the holdovers that uh, that were here uh, prior to their arrival and building that relationship. Um, but so much of this is about communication, kind of speaking the same language, having an open. Um, you know, dialogue in terms of, hey, I, I, I don't need just yes men. Need people that are going to offer suggestions and offer insight, yeah. even if it's contrasting to me. We'll get there in terms of making the final decision. Um, but, you know, it's it's okay to have healthy debate. It's okay to have disagreements. Um, it's I remember talking to uh, 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 Brian Billick, the, uh, the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens, talking about um, his time in in, in Baltimore uh, with with Ozzie Newsom, the great general manager, the incredible legend. Yeah, and they would they would they had this exercise that they would do where you take a position, I'll take a position on a player, right, okay. uh, and argue it, and argue for and argue against, and then let's go sleep on it and see where we are tomorrow morning. And sometimes we'd come back in the next morning still holding firm on our position. He goes, but oftentimes there'd be times where I'd come in and go, no, you're right. You know, I thought about it. I thought about your art or vice versa. So it was a healthy way of allowing each voice, and both of those guys are strong voices, and everybody in this Raiders building is a strong voice. It allows everybody to, to express themselves, express that voice, Go think about it. Go sleep on it, and then regroup tomorrow and huddle back up uh, and see where you are at that point. And so, while there's no doubt that Dave Ziegler has the final say, it's a collaborative effort getting um, you know make, make getting to, getting into the right frame of mind to make the decision with him. Then naturally pulling the trigger on the decision. Yeah, I've heard Billick talk about that, where they would they would uh, go to sleep the you know on the night you know they go home and they'd think about it and he'd like it's we racking our brains about like those you know the certain. Uh, a number of guys and uh you know what by the time i woke up the next morning i felt differently and yeah. uh we'd go into the office and i'd find out that uh ozzy didn't feel any differently but you know i i did and then the next day we'd do it again and ozzy would feel differently right. and we, we would go at we'd we'd hit it on every angle and they were so good at that because the the year that they won in 2001 to beat the giants in that super bowl is that they got there really quickly like that Ravens team immediately right. jettisoned to the top probably for the best reasons that they promoted Ozzie Newsom to the top of their organization because they could trust his ability to evaluate players and it's still exceptional what Ozzie Newsom does in the draft right. is still like blows me away um, but they have a great system of like we're not going to have yes men we're going to go in and look at this extremely objectively but having all the different guys uh, in- involved with us now I do think like the holdovers that are here uh, on the on this Raiders team they're very impressed with not only their work ethic but they see that kind of a mentality and that ascending player uh, that they, they they always look for and it's hard to find out in the free agent market but when you have a team full of guys like that already that makes their job a lot easier yeah uh, that's why i'm interested in a, in a guy like Bilal nichols to see where he is because i think he is still an ascending player but getting back to to your point about you know the, the the back and forth and and you know arriving at a decision and it's so critical that when the decision is finally made 
made that everybody signs off on it. They're always going to have some disagreement, and you know, uh, some some people are going to be like, you know, I, I got to go in this direction, respect your position, but ultimately a decision has to be made, and uh, we have to make it. But when it comes to those big decisions, I'll share a story with you. Mitch Kupchak, the former uh, Lakers general manager, now the you know president of basketball operations in Charlotte, told me a story about how. The year that the Lakers ended up trading Shaquille O'Neal, right? Remember? They, oh, yeah. Right? Um, and, and they knew. They knew. Like, we're not naive. We know that we're going to take a step back here as an organization. We're not going to win as many games without Shaquille O'Neal uh, as we did with Shaquille O'Neal. But uh, somewhere along the line, this the previous season, they came to a conclusion as an organization from top to bottom this is what we have to do. We have to you know, hit the pause button, trade him, get assets, and move forward with Kobe, um, even though we're going to take some lumps early on. And he said, you know, Vinny, the key was is that everybody was on the same page, from ownership to me to the scouts to the coaches. We all agreed that this is the move to make. And he goes, and, and that is the key because – if you don't have that, um, you know, uh, you don't you don't have that togetherness on a decision like that. Invariably, when the bad times happen, which we're gonna happen, that's when you have people start pointing fingers at each other. That's when there's gripes. That's when see, I told you mm-hmm. all that type of thing. He goes, and that's so destructive for an organization. So they're they're on those big decisions. You have to have a consensus, and you have to allow everybody to have that voice and voice their opinions, um, but ultimately get to a decision that everybody is signing. Fun. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. It's just in, in certain terms of how college football, the great schools are all in lockstep with each other from president to AD to football coach. Or not. Yeah, or not. And it you can see the ones that are not, it all goes down to the, the level of leadership. And is everybody on the same page? Because if you're not in lockstep with each other, the organizations and schools that are, they just roll right over it's you. It's called dysfunction. <laughs> it's, and it's yes. called, you know, that's that's where the backstabbing happens. That's mm-hmm. when the fingers uh, get pointed. And that's when you know you're not all rowing in the same direction. I had a Division One. Uh, uh, he was with the Rams at the time, but he was... He was actually looking uh, to, to maybe be the head coach at UNLV. That didn't happen. He's somewhere else uh-huh. now. He's a head coach. But he was telling me when he was at UCLA compared to Michigan, he was at Michigan. The president was always there at all our games, yes. all our this. All, and yep. You notice that, you know? Um, you know, and and UCLA, not so much, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you look at – and he was like – there's, there's really, when you look at Michigan, a great program, UCLA, that's still trying to be great, but hasn't always been. And the, and the years that he was there, it wasn't so so good. But he goes, you felt it. You sensed that eh, not everybody's rowing in the same direction over here compared to the place that I was at previously. And it, it is so important. Um, you know, I think USC, you look at USC right now uh, with, with the Pac-12, I think they're starting to get to a point where they're heading in the right direction collectively. And that will be a game changer for the Pac-12, but they haven't been for years, and that's why they've been kind of mired in the mediocrity that they have. So, so you're right. Um, you know, when you have that lockstep from top to bottom, everything is usually going to be okay. When you don't, uh, even if it's just a couple of people that are you know doing their own thing, you're going to see that on the field. And we'll uh, we'll take a break and step aside on that because we'll go into a little further of how you know the philosophies early on have already kind of cemented where the Raiders want to go and use this time very effectively in 24 days from now when training camp begins. All that and more coming up next with Vinny and Clay on your Metal Friday. I think you know at that point in time, without having had a practice, it's hard to sit there and say. You know, well, this is what we need to do with the, you know, the slot receivers, and this is what we need to do with the halfbacks, and this is what we need to do with the tight ends and the guards, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, we'll we'll know a lot more after you know the spring is over, and we'll have a chance to digest that information. 
Um, and then and then we'll reprioritize certain things whether, when we head to training camp. Um, but there's also the physical aspect of it that none of us have seen either. Um, you know, we've seen tape, we've watched tape, um, we're aware of certain things, but you know, players change and they develop and they improve and. Um, you know, and so there's a lot that, you know, that we don't know yet, you know, so uh, we're learning as much as we can now. And when we get to training camp, there'll be a physical part of it that we're going to learn. Um, you know, we're trying to put them in some situations where we can test their, their competitive stamina and their mental toughness, their ability to stay with it and think uh, on their feet, you know, as, as the periods were changing pretty quickly today, trying to, you know, get them to grasp certain things. So, um, you know, there's, there's different, de- definitely, a you know, uh, a, a reprioritization here after we're done with the spring in terms of going to the training camp. But uh, right now it's just, you know, everybody's getting reps with everybody and we're trying to, you know, evaluate the players. Uh, Josh McDaniels coming back here on Major Nation Radio. It's the morning tailgate. On a middle Friday, Vinny and Clay here with you. Eddie Pascal from Raiders.com will join us at 8 o'clock. And you hear, you hear what Josh is saying. It's like you're going to have a lot of philosophy right during those mini camps. But when we get the pads on, we're really going to ask them to start thinking on their feet. We really want this time to where they can go and like instill the philosophies of what you're trying to do and what we're trying to like go towards. But we also need you to start thinking on your feet so we're not telling you you are just doing it. And they're getting to that point. And I, I think that they're very uh, fortunate in this way that uh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are going to employ their philosophies on a team that already understands how to practice how to get ready. They don't need to uh, be coddled or, uh, you know, uh, cajoled. This is a, this is a group that is very, very determined to go past 10 wins and to get further into the playoffs. That's really good because you are now getting a team that wants to learn more and wants to get ahead. And having that kind of faith in Josh is going to get them in there a lot further, especially during training camp coming up very soon. Yeah. Uh, and he was speaking, uh, that was a couple of weeks ago at mini camp. Um, uh, Josh McDaniels was, and, and, and at that point, like he said, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of teaching. Uh, you are challenging them. And, and it was a fast paced uh, mini camp uh, from period to period. And they would throw them in various different um, circumstances and situations to get them to think on their feet, even while they were being fed information. Um, you have to do that. There's just so much time that you have uh, with these guys. You have to take advantage of every opportunity um, to do the teaching and then apply it and go out on the field. Because uh, you got to understand that you know, when we see them during OTAs and minicamp, yeah, we see them on the field, but there's a full day that happens in the classroom where, you know, you're you're learning the information in the classroom, then you're applying it on the field. And that's a, um, you know, for, for a coach, for a, a decision maker, uh, learning how people learn, number one, uh, you know, do you learn it in the classroom? Uh, do we got to show you show it to you on video? Do we got to put it up on the whiteboard? Uh, do we got to walk you through it out on the field? You know, how do how do each how does each player learn? And that's a huge part of this because everybody learns differently, Clay. Mm-hmm. We've learned that too. It's not just learn it, let's go do it. You got to, as a coach, have the patience to be able to uh, and and the the foresight to understand how each guy absorbs the information the best way uh, and and have the patience whether it's on the field 
or in the classroom uh, to allow everybody uh, and give everybody a chance to absorb the information. So there was a lot of that going on um, in, in, in minicamp, and they were trying to be as physical as you possibly could, as, as uh, Josh McDaniels mentioned, you know, testing their endurance, um, seeing how far they can go. Even in that setting, it's going to go up a notch, obviously, uh, in training camp. But as it relates to the roster, I think that's the key right now. Um, because you know we're gonna we're gonna hit the pause button. We're gonna take a look at this roster. We're gonna really assess. That's that's you presume. Obviously, it's been happening for the last couple of weeks, and they really haven't made many moves in those couple of weeks, if any at all. I think they brought in Chris Jones, the the cornerback. Um, mm-hmm. So I I would imagine that's pretty good news right now. That that they again they feel pretty good about where this roster is. They wanted to go and make a uh, a determined uh, addition when they wanted to find the defensive coordinator and Patrick Graham coming in with so many accolades and, and a lot of respect around the league, but also familiar familiarity with what the Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler are looking for because they have worked together previously in New England now. For Patrick Graham, it's not too different than what last year was where everyone felt like the biggest free agent signing for the Raiders last year was the addition of Gus Bradley as defensive coordinator. Patrick Graham kind of comes in with that same kind of need. Uh, They definitely need to find a new uh, philosophy on defense and also because of the schedule that they have in front of them. They have a daunting schedule where they have explosive offenses going up against, and it begins even on the first uh, you know, five games of the year, first five, six games of the year for the Raiders. So getting off to a good start is one thing, but changing the personnel that they had to go and deal with required a great defensive mind like Patrick Graham. And it made me feel that because of all the moves that they started to make, because they were all so early on, that they had a really good idea of what kind of player they wanted to go and fit into these schemes because at the same time, they also need to find the right guys, the mentality, but the ability to go and play multiple positions was extremely important. I think that's exactly what they wanted to do right from the get-go because you see some of the guys that they went out and, and, and looked at that they may not be your most uh, you know household names, but they are absolutely guys that they can be solidly relied upon day in, game in, and game out. Because not only will the offense be going through different changes for each opponent, so will the defense. Yeah, um, and it's different body types, it's different skill sets, it's different techniques um, that you're looking for in in this particular scheme. Moving from the four three to a three four, we're going to see a bunch of different uh, defensive fronts. There's no question about that. But there is a base defense, and it's going to be the three four um, you know scheme. Uh, and it actually kind of worked out uh, to, to the Raiders' benefit because if you remember last year, they signed a whole bunch of defensive linemen to one-year deals too, bringing in Gus Bradley, mm-hmm. uh, signing them, signing these players to one-year one-year deals, which you're you're seeing more and more of uh, in the NFL. Um, and while it didn't do anything for longevity and you know continuity. As it turns out, it was it, it, it worked out beautifully because when they did switch coaches, and obviously Gus Bradley moved on to the Indianapolis Colts, um, it allowed the Raiders to have basically a clean slate along the defensive line. Worked out good. Yes, in order to go out and get the kind of guys uh, that, that they needed. And and that's why, you know, um, we, we've mentioned, you know, Dominican Sue. I, I think he's under consideration, but I don't think the, the, the interest is, is really that high right now. I'm not quite sure if it's a if it's a scheme fit or just whatever Sue is asking for is too rich for, for what the Raiders are, are looking to do right now. 
Um, I don't think that Sue's going to play for much less than what he thinks he deserves, and and he has that right <laughs> at this stage of his career. I mean, sure. like we've been talking about this, and I know we laugh about it, but in, on a serious note, if you're Sue, 35 years old, it takes a lot to be a professional football player. It takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of wear and tear on your body. You have to just be of a mindset. And where he is with the money that he has in the bank, and I know him, and I know how well he's taking care of uh, his money, he doesn't need to do this. So for him to do this, it's got to be on his number. Otherwise, I'm not going to put my body through that again. It's it's painful to play football. It's a a commitment that pe- most people can't do. Let's just be p- perfectly honest about that. The type of commitment it takes to go out there day in and day out, and and the physical toll, having to be disciplined in how you eat and how you live, all of those types of things are a chore. All right, and for a guy like that, you know, uh, it's not because he's money hungry. It's just that I'm not going to do it for a penny less than what I think I'm deserved because I'm fine <laughs> with with the money. So it has to be right for him, and I understand it. And I respect it. I don't think that the Raiders agree on that number, um, and so we'll see where that or all that heads. But you know, long story short, they went out and got the guys that they felt are going to be um, you know good players and, and assets in this scheme, and I think they're going to give them an honest chance to prove that. Yeah, and I think Patrick Graham, even though he won't be uh, you know as um, as upfront that Gus Bradley would be, where though giving out interviews and maybe giving you ideas on what the philosophies might be, he was very very open when he did speak with the media when he was first hired out in February, where he talked about the scheme and and it's an idea that. Uh, is going to be pervasive, that they wanted to make sure that they got to be very, very, you know, variable, multiple, and fungible in this scheme for defense. It comes down to the fundamentals, you know, in terms of stopping the run. You're setting the edge, building the wall. So it doesn't matter how the how the the people are lined up. When the ball snap, we got to build a wall. We got to make sure we got a good edge. I guess you can set the edge from a 3-4. You can set the edge from a 4-3. Passing game, you got to make sure you're playing your leverage. So whether it's cover one, three, two, whatever it may be, we could play that out of all those groupings. We got to win our leverage and defend the deep part of the field. And then after that, you got to tackle. So, again, is it hard to teach that? Now, if you start with the fundamentals, if everybody understands the fundamental, what we're trying to do and who we're trying to take away, then how we deploy the guys in terms of the structure of the defense, I mean, not irrelevant, but, I mean, I mean, is we, we can figure that out. Because you got to give the guys credit. They, they do a good job. You got to think about how much information they gather in one week for one opponent. Then Sunday's over. They have to wipe that clean and get ready for another opponent. <laughs> As Patrick Graham uh, uh, in February. And they got the guys. They, they found guys that they felt like right away had the mentality to go and do this. But at the same time, they wanted to get young ascending guys, too. They didn't want to. They, they got body types, but they also got age types that they wanted to make sure that everyone was still kind of like in the prime of where they want to be because they're going to be asked to do a lot. And maybe that was where, you know, the acquisitions of all the corners that they got, knowing that Trayvon Mullen was going to be one of the holdovers and Meek Robertson as well. But having Anthony Averett. Uh, uh, when you also have uh, you know make the trade for Rock Yassin, you, you're you're seeing a lot of like uh, mentality that you're not going to always find. Making that a priority is really important because you had to go on one year deals for a lot of these corners because you know that that was the market. That's what the market would bear. So you're getting guys that are going to be asked to do a lot of work. Chris Jones as well. 
that um, that they're going to be really competing for that spot. It, it's almost as like they were happy with what they had last year at corner, but they wanted more, and they they they're going to get it because they have a lot of young players that want to get in there and compete for a starting role. Because quite honestly, cornerback, you, if you get a starting job, you're going to get paid very well. So you got a, a situation where you got like four guys really looking for that next deal, and you're going to get maximum effort, and they are going to follow what Patrick Graham wants because he's made a lot of cornerbacks some money, including yeah. Bradbury. No doubt about it. A couple of things that really stood out with what he said is, uh, who do we have to take away this week? And uh, having the necessary personnel to be able to do that. Where they line up, they're going to line up. It's 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 having all the tools in the toolbox to be able to go and uh, take away the strength of that week's opponent. And then also learning that opponent and then playing that opponent and then erasing that and starting again that whole process again to start to stop the next opponent um, that that's coming up. Uh, and 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 when I look at this Raiders roster and I look at what the Raiders did, yes, you have competitiveness. Obviously, guys like Rocky Yassin, Trayvon Mullen, Anthony Averett, uh, and on and on and on, really, in that cornerback room, aside from uh, Nate Hobbs, um, they're all playing for their futures. So you're going to get, like you said, uh, a high level of competitiveness because there's some individual uh, agendas, and I don't say that in a bad way at all. This is a career. This is a profession. Everybody has to think about themselves to some extent. Obviously, it all has to fit in a, in a team-oriented thing, but those guys are playing for something more, and that's going to probably, I would think, uh, give the Raiders the best version of those players. But having all the various tools in the toolbox to stop one week, you know, the Miami Dolphins and that, and everything that they offer and the strengths that they have. Uh, and then a week later against, you know, the New Orleans Saints. I'm, I'm, the, the schedule doesn't matter. It's just like going from one to the other and having all the various uh, people on in, in place or on this roster to be able to make that whatever the adjustment's going to be and, and, and be able to have the right personnel to fit whatever the opponent is that particular week. You can't always do that perfectly, but as, as, as long as you build a roster that has enough of everything in order to make that change from week to week to stop that particular offense and that particular defense and vice versa, um, you're going to be, you put yourself in a pretty good position. And that's what I'm so fascinated, especially with that defense. The offense as well, and we'll get to that, but but that defense on a week-to-week basis and sometimes a series-to-series basis, being able to match up to whatever that uh, offensive opponent uh, is doing at that particular time I think is really fascinating. I don't think you're going to see just somebody that in a Patrick Graham that's just stubborn and says, this is what we do defensively, mm-hmm. and it's not going to really matter so much who the opponent is because this is what we do. I think it's going to be the reverse. I think it's going to be... Yes, you're going to have your own principles and your own foundations and all that type of stuff, but also the ability and the flexibility to adjust to whatever that offense does in order to take away that offense's strength. Some of that stuff uh, kind of reminds me of somehow the position groups that, you know, maybe last year you could have been really happy with, all right, uh, Denzel Perryman at linebacker and Divine Diablo. And, you know, you could have uh, maybe even brought back uh, KJ Wright again if you if you felt like he was going to fit the scheme. But what they did was is that they really wanted to make sure that th- at that position you go and get a little more athletic and you get a little better at pass coverage with guys like Jayon Brown and Micah Kaiser, Kenny Young. 
Uh, even even an acquisition like Kyler Fackrell. Yeah, he's a pass rusher. Yeah, pass mm-hmm. rusher, but also somebody that we've seen uh, like will drop back at times in what the Giants were doing and be a playmaker. Right. Uh, really good stuff that if you needed to go and either disguise something at that position, you could do it. And it won't be a, a point of where uh, you're wondering, all right, is there enough depth at linebacker? They're going to have it, but they're gonna you're going to see guys in so many different positions that uh, it'll be so different each and every week. You'll see the contributions piling up. It just won't be the same each and every uh, Sunday when you see it uh, on the field. Yeah, and, and you know, it, we always talk about the Patriots. Well, that's, you know, where uh, so many uh, uh, coaches on this staff came from. Uh, and so you kind of have to look at what they did there uh, in order to have an idea of what might happen here. Uh, and one thing about Patrick Graham and, and the Patriots and Bill Belichick and what they do defensively, and we've talked about this a ton, and I can't wait to see it finally uh, on the field in an actual game, is being able to... to Take a player and understand what that player's strengths are and be able to tap into that situationally. That's why a guy like Malcolm Kutz is so fascinating to me. We've mm-hmm. talked about this. This dude could get to the quarterback. He's shown that he could get to the quarterback even in limited time last year. Uh, he he made a, he had a couple of sacks um, You know w- when he finally got a chance to play. He could obviously rush the passer. Now, how is Patrick Graham going to be able to kind of tap into that situationally to allow him and give him the room uh, to be able to go hunt the quarterback in, in situations? I think Nate Hobbs, we talk about that a lot, has playmaking ability. How do you uh, scheme up ways for him to, to, to be able to maximize that playmaking ability? Trayvon Morig, uh, the, the same way. So it's we've been talking about this a lot, not just manning your position, but being able to be a playmaker from your position. I think there's about five guys or so on this defense uh, that have that capability. All right, let's take a break. We'll stop at that point. Eddie Pascal is going to join us at 8 o'clock, but we'll continue on the defense on the other side, especially what they were doing in in the DB department, in the secondary, and who's going to be, you know, relied upon as we go forward here. It's Raider Nation Radio. Vinny and Clay on your Middle Friday. Now back to Clay Baker with your morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Well, Dave and Josh and Champ, those guys, they handle all the personnel stuff. The thing I want, I want good players. <laughs> you give me good players, I'm good. Whether I worked with them before or not, I mean, I trust our coaches. I trust my ability to coach and teach. I mean, give us good players. We'll be we'll be good to go. And, you know, we'll, we'll do our best. So, the guys that are here, the guys that are going to be here, that I'll take those guys. I don't need a, a requirement of guys from the past. I don't need, we don't need any of that. We just want good football players buy into the team concept and the, the concept that Josh is uh, putting forward there in terms of how he wants this team to look. Patrick Graham coming back here on Raider Nation Radio. And uh, they stuck true to his word. It was asked a question like, would it help to have guys that are more familiar with what you've done before or that was in New England? He's like, no, I've, we're just going to get the best guys yeah. that are available. It, it doesn't need familiarity. We will teach what they need to, what they need to learn. And I, I, it's like, they, what should they be happy with at that, at that position? Especially like if you take a look at, you know, the, the safeties position that, you know, you got Jonathan Abram, Trayvon Mary coming back. But you know what? They wanted to add Deron Harmon and they wanted to see like, all right, what kind of um, you know, what kind of actual you know competition can Tyree Gillespie provide? Teamer, Levitt, 
uh, they're, they're all going to be working together on this as well as, you know, what you'll see from the nickel uh, position at, at corner with like Nate Hobbs and Darius Phillips that came over from Cincinnati, Cravon LeBlanc. Like you're going to see a real steadfast group that you're not going to worry too much about it because if they did, they would have found something more out of that position in free agency. But they went real early to go and like handpick the guys that they felt were the best fits for this team. And that, I, I, I love that kind of like um, synergy because you could see where even on the offense, and we'll get into this in the second hour, that there were times when uh, obviously they did not like what they saw from certain guys that were holdovers and they went and made changes. But on this group, they just added. They didn't have to make too many changes. Yeah, um, you know, and uh, so much of that defensive, especially in that secondary uh, intrigue for me, is where is Trayvon Mullen uh, physically, uh, and and how far or how how close will he be? Yeah, uh, at the start of training camp, because when you look at that cornerback room, and let's just assume that Trayvon Mullen is healthy. Uh, Trayvon Mullen, um, you know Anthony Averett, Chris Jones uh, on one side. Let's just go go in that direction. Rocky mm-hmm. Yassin, Amik Robertson um, on on the other side. You've got Nate Hobbs. You've got Darius Phillips. You've got players that have played football before. I mean, we've talked about this before. A lot of uncertainty among Raider Nation in the secondary is just because you haven't really seen these guys in Raider uniforms. Uh, but there's some guys that could play some football uh, that they brought in at cornerback uh, that are young, ascending players, and as you mentioned earlier, playing for their futures. You know, uh, Jonathan, excuse me, um, uh, Trayvon Mullen going into the last year of his contract. A- Anthony Averett was signed to a one-year deal. Rocky Yassin going into the last year of, of his contract. Um, so Darius Phillips, I think, was on a one-year deal. So, again, a lot of these guys have to put their best foot forward. They understand the urgency as an individual and also how that fits into a team um, uh, landscape. But these guys are playing for their future, and, and that could get you know bring the best out of them. They're uh, they're a good group, but I think they they made upgrades at that position. But they didn't need to make like the big free agent splash to get those upgrades. That's what I love about it. And if you're willing to get guys that are going to be on prove it deals that are still young and waiting for that next contract to make money, you're going to get absolutely maximum effort out of that. And I think uh, everyone who has played with a Patrick Graham system loves doing so. Yeah, and also keep in mind you can't go out and spend. Um, whatever money at whatever every single position, you know, you you it's there's there's a financial puzzle in place here. It's called the salary cap, uh, and it's called the budget too. Uh, we always have to respect that. Whatever the team is, you're gonna have a budget, and the, you know, I've I've talked to people who set budgets for football teams, and what are the conversations like between you? Uh, and the coaching staff and the general manager is like, well, uh, what do you think it is? It's it, there's never enough. You know, you have to. You have to set the budget. This is what the budget is. Make it work uh, in this in this framework, uh, and 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 that's that. It's not always an easy uh, conversation because, of course, coaches and general managers they're going to want more. They're 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 in the business of accumulating as much talent as possible. Uh, but you always have to be aware of that. It's a real thing. So um, I, I think it, it it really feels like at, in that cornerback room they didn't put a whole lot of money uh, into it in terms of the big contracts. Uh, I think they're going to see if maybe some of these guys can can emerge as guys that uh, next March mm-hmm. are guys that other teams, including the Raiders, want to give big money to coming off a year uh, that they're hopefully going to have uh, this year. So so we'll we'll see. But the, I think the talent is there. 
to get it done, and and sometimes you just have to make do at certain positions. And I'm not saying that the, the Raiders are going to make do. There is uncertainty at, um, in the secondary, specifically at cornerback, uh, but I think that there is enough talent uh, to get it done. I'm interested, like you said, uh, at safety, Tyreek Gillespie. We really get a chance to see too much of him. He was drafted right. where he was drafted for a reason. Mm-hmm. I know the previous staff really liked the potential. Um, there were some injury issues last year. Uh, if he could stay healthy, what does he bring to the table? I, I've always been a Roderick Teamer guy. Um, I think that when he's on the field, there's a physical presence that he brings and a talent level that he brings. He just needs to stay on the field. He plays you know, uh, there's a, there's a, what is that term? Reckless abandon. Yeah. Um, you know, there needs to be more, is it abandoned or re- I don't know what it is, but w- he, he needs to do a little bit more of the one where it's just keep yourself a little safer. You know, it's, it's great to be physical. It's great to throw, try to throw out the knockout punch. Um, but at the same time, you got yourself to think about as well. So play, a little bit more prudently when it comes to that. Just make the tackle. You don't have to make the highlight reel tackle all the time. <laughs> yeah, Teamer will come alive in games. Yeah, it, it's, it's great cool to, to see. see. Yeah, no doubt about it because you know he cares and you know he's got the the talent. But um, you know, being able to stay on the field is a talent in itself too. It's Raider Nation Radio, Vinny and Clay on your Metal Friday. Stay right there. We come back in 90 seconds with Eddie Pascal, the senior writer and editor with Raiders.com and the host of Upon Further Review. He joins us next. Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.